0: ask you to be seated and open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to concentrate on verse 7. We're going to read a few other verses this morning, but we're going to concentrate on verse 7. As I mentioned earlier, and as you can see by the decorations in our sanctuary here, Vacation Bible School begins tonight. And I'm excited because the kids are going to be learning about the Apostle Paul And about how he faced his fears in life and he trusted God. And the theme verse that we're going to use is 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And we're going to look at that verse in a minute. But in in order to kind of get a, a head start on tonight, to kind of get us kind of prepared for tonight, and to kind of set up my sermon, what we're going to do is we're going to sing the theme verse that Brad's going to teach us this morning. I know you just sat down and you just opened your Bible, so put a bookmark in your Bible or just leave it open on your pew. Let's stand together as we sing our VBS song.
1: Giving us a spirit of power and love and sound judgment from above can't wait to see what he's gonna do can't wait to see how he's gonna move through every twist and turn to run With everything that we've got. So come on, come on, come on and get going. Come on, come on, come on and get on it. We've got a ticket to ride. Come on, come on, come on and get going. Come on, come on, come on and get on it. We've got a ticket to ride.
0: good song. I take exception to the line. You may be seated. And our kids are going to go to children's church. I take exception to the line about the wind blowing through my hair. (laughs) It's Kind of facing fears and trusting God. That's what that song was about. That's what this verse is about. That's what this week at VBS is going to be all about. And Paul certainly had plenty of experience doing that didn't he he was well qualified to write his young pastor friend Timothy and encourage him in facing his own fears in life while trusting God and that's what we find when we read 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 this is a second letter that Paul has written to Timothy and like the first letter he's giving him some godly advice about how to live out the Christian life and we gather from Paul's comments that we're going to read in just a minute That that Timothy was struggling with fearfulness. He wasn't as bold, he wasn't as confident as he should have been living out his Christian life. And with good reason. Because Christians in this first century world in which they lived were often persecuted because of their faith. Just as many Christians are even today. Around the world. In fact, Paul wrote to Timothy from prison. He was in prison because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we read these words that Paul has written from prison. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, and we're going to read down to verse 8. We're going to concentrate on verse 7, but let's put it in context. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Now, when he says for this reason, whenever you see a word like that, therefore, for this reason, and so, you need to look at the context of what comes before it. So jump up to verse 5. Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So he's saying, Timothy, because you're a person of genuine faith, you have a genuine relationship with God through faith, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now here's our main verse. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Father, we thank you for Timothy, and we thank you for Paul, his his spiritual father, and the words that he wrote him. And Father, we pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear the message, not only that Paul wrote to Timothy, but that he has written to us this morning as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Fear is a funny thing, isn't it? If it's strong enough, if it's powerful enough in your life, fear can have a paralyzing effect on you. It can keep you from doing things you know you ought to do. Fear can even keep you from doing things you want to do in your life. There are a number of things that I have missed out on in the course of my life. Because of my fear of heights. I just don't do heights. I don't like heights number of years ago, Lynn and I were able to go to Israel. One of the places that we stopped at was Masada. Masada is a fortress built by King Herod up on the top of a mountain, kind of a plateau really, in the Judean wilderness overlooking the Dead Sea. And then in 66 AD, a, a group of Jews rebelling against the Roman government. They were kind of a resistance movement. They, they took over this fortress and they moved in because it was very secure, very hard to attack it being up on that, that mountain. And then in 70 A.D., when the Romans attacked Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple, and conflict in Israel uh, was increasing, uh, some more Jews moved there to Masada and joined this resistance movement. The Romans pursued them in 73 A.D., and after months under siege, the fortress fell into Roman hands. And when they finally breached its walls and entered into that fortress, what they found was the entire community of Jews, about a 1,000 people, had taken their own lives instead of allowing themselves to be captured. This is a very significant place for the Jewish people and for the people of Israel. But I didn't see it. Linda did, but I didn't. Because in order to get to Masada, you have to ride on one of these. (laughs) A cable car that is precariously strung out across the valley. And I just don't do heights. And so I missed out. Now, if I ever go back to Israel, you know, I may close my eyes and do some deep breathing exercises and maybe try to get up there, but, but, <laughs> but, I, but they'd have to drug me. Now, listen, in the grand scheme of things, missing a tourist spot, even a significant one, isn't that big of a deal, Right? But there are times when a spirit of fearfulness can keep us from doing what God has called us to do. Or being who God has called us to be. We can become timid in our spiritual lives. We can lack the confidence we need to face the realities of this world. You know, there are times when we need to stand up. And we need to speak up for what's right, even though it's hard. There are times when we need to reach out to others and to show them the love of Christ and to to tell them the message of Christ, even though they may misunderstand our motives or even reject us. There are times when we need to step out and take the lead or engage in ministry, ministry that God has called us to do, even though there's no guarantee of success. There are times when we need to make hard choices about our own lives in the face of opposition. All of this can be very fearful. You see, to some degree, to a large degree, I think, living the Christian life is like swimming against the current of our culture and our world. It's hard because we're going opposite of the way the world normally goes. There's a reason that the writer of Hebrews said that we are aliens and strangers in this world. The world does not support a life of obedience and service to God. It just doesn't. Not this fallen world. And that means if we take the path of least resistance, if we go where it's only easy to go, where where no courage is required, then we're going to be led in the wrong direction. And if we're not confident in our Christian life, if we're fearful, if we're timid, then more often than not we're going to opt out of the hard things that God calls us to do. And it appears that Timothy was struggling with this lack of confidence. This is the second letter, as I mentioned, that Paul has written to Timothy. And, and if you read these letters throughout, Paul is encouraging him constantly. and He's, he's building him up spiritually because Timothy needed that. And, and I, for one, am glad because I can sometimes relate to Timothy. Not being confident and bold like I need to be, being fearful at times in life. And, and, and I'm willing to guess that, that there are some of you out there that can relate to Timothy as well when it comes to living out your christian life sometimes we're like spiritual piglets you know piglet from Winnie the pooh 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 are we really going to go into the dark forest we could be like that spiritually so let's spend a few minutes and let's be encouraged Let's be strengthened by what Paul has written, not just to Timothy, but to us this morning. And here's what Paul teaches us. You can live the Christian life in confidence and boldness if you will do three things. Now, let me just say as a side note here, I, I don't want to be guilty of reducing some spiritual truth down to this, this simple little three-step formula. You know, here's here's the three magic steps. If you just do these, everything's going to be fine. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that there are ways that we can increase our confidence and our boldness to live out what God has called us to live out. And Paul shows us what these things are in this verse. And the first one is this. Let God's power enable you. Let God's power enable you. In verse 7. He says that God's spirit doesn't lead us to be fearful or timid, but he gives us power. And he's talking here, of course, about spiritual power, strengthening the inner man, strengthening our spirit to live out what he's called us to do. Now, when I say let God's power enable you, what I'm talking about is this. We have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. We can choose to live out life on our own power, our own strength with our own resources, or we can choose to live out life, the Christian life, under the power of God by His power and, and, and it all has to do with our relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, God God has given us his spirit, and, and, and his spirit doesn't lead us in this direction to be fearful. His spirit leads us in this direction. It gives us power. Paul said something very similar to the Galatian believers. I put it in your notes. Galatians 5.16. He said, So I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Essentially, he's saying the same thing here. When you walk by the Spirit, you have power to overcome those those sinful uh, desires that you have within you. You have God's power when you walk by the Spirit. Well, how do we do that? How do we walk by the Spirit? What does that mean? Well, you first have to acknowledge your own weakness and need for God's Spirit in your life. If you live life thinking, I've got this covered. I'm good. I can do this on my own. I can manage life on my own. If you, if you live your life with that thought or with that, that attitude, then that's what you're going to get. You're going to end up living your Christian life under your own power. Walking by the Spirit means depending on Him for the power you need to live the God, life that God has called you to live. It's an attitude. It's an attitude of humility. It's an attitude of dependence that says, God, I cannot do this. I can't manage life on my own. I need you to work in me to do this. It also means surrendering to God's Spirit. You know, if we continually disobey God, if we continually live contrary to the leading of the Holy Spirit through His Word, and this is, this is how God's Spirit leads us. He takes His Word and he, he makes it alive in our life. But if we're continually living contrary to the leading of the Holy Spirit, then we're not walking in the Spirit, but we're walking away from the Spirit in terms of that relationship that empowers us. And then what happens is the spirit of the, the ministry rather, of the Holy Spirit changes. And His ministry changes from one that fills us and empowers us to one that now must convict us because we are living in a way that's contrary to His will and His desire. Louis Sperry Chaffer was the founder of Dallas Seminary back in the 20s where I went to school. And he wrote a book about living the Christian life called He That Is Spiritual. And in the book he says this, A Christian is a Christian because he is rightly related to Christ. Meaning this, you are a Christian if you have come to the Lord Jesus Christ, acknowledging your own sin, repenting of your sin, and accepting Jesus Christ, His death and His resurrection on your behalf, and accepting Him as your Savior. A Christian is a Christian because he is rightly related to Christ. But, he goes on, he that is spiritual is spiritual because he is rightly related to the Spirit. To be rightly related to the Holy Spirit of God means that we depend on Him and His power and we surrender to Him. So it's no surprise that when Paul seeks to strengthen Timothy's faith here, he does so by talking about his relationship with God's Holy Spirit. His Spirit within us is the source of power and that power is what we need to live out the Christian life. And then look at it in the context here. Look at verse 6. Paul encourages Timothy to use this gift that God has given him. And he doesn't say what it is. It's probably teaching and exhortation from a few things we know about Timothy. But he says in verse 6, fan into flame this gift. In other words, use this gift that God has given you. And then right after he says that, he says in verse 7, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power. Do you see the connection? We need God's power to boldly and effectively use the gifts that God has given us for his kingdom. We can't do it on our own. Just because God has gifted you for ministry and for service doesn't mean that you will be bold or effective in using that gift apart from his power at work in you. When I first started preaching here 14 years ago, this is my first pastor at my first church first time I had to you know every week get up and 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 preach and it drove me crazy every Sunday morning I would I would I would be filled with anxiety you know as 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 the moment approached for me to stand up and preach I would get very nervous I would get you know just this kind of in my stomach feeling and 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 as you know the worship time is kind of leading more and more towards towards time for me to get to preach I would get very nervous And I would think to myself every Sunday morning, why in the world am I doing a job that creates so much anxiety within me? Well, over the years, by God's grace, I've grown in my boldness to preach. By His grace, He's given me confidence to do what He has called me to do. But it's not just about boldness. I need God's power to empower me to effectively preach His Word as well. If you are a Christian, you've been given a gift to serve in some way. You have. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been given a gift. And here's what I want to say. Put that gift to use in some way and trust God to empower you along the way. Now listen, it doesn't mean there won't be a learning curve. Just because you're gifted doesn't mean that you, you know everything about how to use whatever God has given you to use in ministry. There'll be a learning curve. You have to hone that gift and sharpen it and train yourself. And it doesn't mean there won't be failures along the way. You're going to fail. But it does mean that God will give you whatever you need to overcome, whatever obstacles you might face. The Christian should never say, I can't, when it comes to something that God has called him or her to do. The Christian should never say, I can't do that. On your own, you can't do that. But by the power of God in you, you certainly can Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4 we know this verse very well in Gainesville don't we 4:13 i can do all things through him who gives me strength and he's again he's talking about spiritual things he's talking about the things that god has called us to do in fact in philippians chapter 4 what he's talking specifically about there is learning to be content and satisfied no matter what. He said, I can learn to be content in plenty. I've learned to be content in want if I have nothing at all. I have learned to do this because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But the principle applies to whatever God has called us to do. Whether it's serving God or saying no to sin or loving people who are not lovable, God's power will enable us to do it. So if you want to... Live your Christian life with the confidence and boldness that you need. You need to let God's power enable you. Here's the second thing. If you want to live your Christian life with the confidence and boldness that you need, you need to let supernatural love motivate you. Let supernatural love motivate you. Look at what he says. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us love. Love's a powerful motivator, isn't it? And we need a powerful motivation when we're facing fear in our lives. We need something powerful to move us off of that. I've already said fear can paralyze us, can, can freeze us, to cause us not to do what we know we need to do. But love can overcome that fear in our lives. Just think it just purely human terms for a minute. Those of you who are parents, what would you do for your children if they were in danger? Right? What fears would you overcome? I mean, you'd hurl them like they weren't there at all in order to protect your children if they were in danger. On August 16, 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after takeoff from the Detroit airport. killed 155 people. There was one survivor, a little girl from Tempe, Arizona, named Cecilia. News accounts say that when rescuers found Cecilia... They didn't believe that she was on the plane. Investigators first assumed that she had been a passenger in one of the cars on the highway where the plane crashed. But when they checked the passenger manifest, they saw Cecilia's name was on it. What they discovered later that Cecilia survived, because even as the plane was falling to the ground, her mother unbuckled her own seatbelt and knelt down in front of her little four-year-old daughter and wrapped her arms and her body around her and would not let go. Love's a great motivator, isn't it? It's true in the natural realm. It's also true in the spiritual realm. And there are three ways that we are motivated by love in the Christian life. First, we're motivated by God's love for us. By God's love for us. And when we're talking about living out the Christian life, this is the place we must start. When we're talking about the motivation for our Christian life, this is the place we must start. If you try living out the Christian life apart from the security of God's unconditional love, you will have a very, very hard time. You will be in turmoil in your life. If you don't live out of the reality of God's unconditional love for you, every difficult circumstance, every painful moment, every obstacle you face will create some negative emotion like fear and doubt and uncertainty. Oh, look, God is rejecting me. God is not on my side. God is not for me because look at all the bad stuff that's happening in my life. Every failure will confirm in your own mind that God never really loved you. When you live apart from the security of God's love, guilt and fear begin to motivate your relationship with God. And you spend all of your time trying to gain His approval. If I just do this, if I'm just a little better than that, if I just quit messing up here, if I just, if I just, if I just, just, maybe then God will love me. But look at what the Apostle John says, 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When you understand the complete, unconditional, perfect love of God that's extended to you through Jesus Christ, you have a newfound freedom to serve Him. Fear and guilt no longer become the motivating factors in your life and your relationship with God. But there's a second way in which love motivates us. Not, not only God's love for us, but our love for God. And this is a response to, is it not, God's love for us. So once you accept his love, then you're free to love him back in the way you live out your life. And, and when you love God that way, when, you're free, when, when, you, when you understand that God loves you unconditionally, and you love him back, that love compels you to serve him to want to please Him with your life. But that love also does something else. It also causes you to trust God when you don't understand what He's up to. Listen, this is a big, big part of facing fears in life. It is is learning to trust God. Loving God enough that we trust Him even when we don't understand what's going on in life even when we can't make sense of what He might up to we love Him enough to say He is good and I will trust Him with my life what does the song say when you can't trace His hand in other words you can't see how He's at work trust His heart then there's a third way in which love motivates us and that's our love for others we know That one of the foundational principles of the Christian life is love for others. Jesus said the second greatest commandment after loving God is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And of course, loving others means living life for others. It means I'm going to put my needs and my wants and my desires in second place. And I'm going to ask, how can I meet your needs? How can I bless you? What can I do for you? And when we have that kind of love, when we're motivated by that kind of love, to put our needs second to someone else, then we are willing to face some fears. We're willing to take some risks on behalf of other people. So if you want to live out the Christian life with confidence and boldness, you need to let God's power enable you. And you need to let supernatural love, love that only comes from God, love that is a response to God's love for us. You need to let that kind of love motivate you. And then number three, let godly self-discipline guide you. Let godly self-discipline guide you. Look again. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us self-discipline. Some translations say it gives us a sound mind. Some say sound judgment. All of these are a good sense of that term. It's a word that means a well-regulated life, a life that is anchored in, and directed by godly wisdom. And that's what the Spirit of God gives us. If we'll let Him. Godly wisdom. You know, fear can be... Uh, it will it can cre- create some pretty bad judgment calls in our life, can it? If we react to life out of a sense of fear. If we react to circumstances without understanding that we are under God's umbrella of grace... And sovereignty, if we we live life apart from that reality, apart from the grace and the sovereignty of God, then we're going to end up places that we don't want to be in our spiritual lives. Sometimes our thinker and our feeler, our heart and our mind will lead us in the wrong direction if we have not internalized wisdom and sound judgment. Do You understand what I'm saying? if we react intuitively from a fallen perspective, we're going to end up in the wrong place spiritually. How many of you have ever been to Yellowstone National Park? Anybody? Quite a few of you. Okay. Well, if you've been there, you know that's a grizzly bear country, right? And so it's wise, if you're going to go there, to familiarize yourself with, with some of the precautions in case you should encounter a bear. And the notion, run for your life, may sound intuitive, but it's not really the most helpful thing to surviving a bear encounter. The recommended steps are not easy to follow, but they give you your best chance for survival. Here's what the experts say. If you encounter a grizzly bear, do not run. Now, why in the world would you run? What in the world would motivate you to run from a grizzly bear? Fear, right? I don't want him to eat me. I'm afraid, so I'm going to run. But the experts say no. That may seem intuitive, but it's not the right thing to do. Avoid direct eye contact. I can live with that one. Walk away slowly if the bear is not approaching. If the bear charges, stand your ground. You can't outrun it. Is my favorite one. Don't scream or yell. Speak. No, listen. It gets better. Speak in a soft monotone voice and wave your arms so that the animal know you're a human, Mister Bear. Don't eat me. That's that's what it says. If the animal makes contact, which is a kind way of saying he's attacking you, curl up in a ball on your side or lay flat on your stomach. Try not to panic. Remain as quiet as possible until the attack ends. Now listen, that, that is sound... Why are we laughing? I'll tell you why. Because that's counterintuitive, right? Because you're thinking in your head, there's no way I'm going to do that. But that is sound park ranger judgment right there. That's sound park ranger wisdom. But everything inside of you is going to say, run and scream. So what have you got to do? Well, first of all, you've got to know these these bits of wisdom, right? You've got to know this if you're going to do it, but here's the more important thing. You've got to trust the experts enough to actually do what they say. And the same thing is true spiritually. Fear can compel us to react in ways that will cause more damage in our spiritual lives. We've not only got to know God's wisdom, but we've got to trust God. that He knows what he's talking about. And when we do that, we'll be more willing to set aside our fears and do what God has called us to do. But listen, that doesn't mean it'll be easy. It's not easy to stand up for the truth. Say, in a college class where your professor is going to ridicule you because of your faith, that's not easy. It's not easy to love your enemy and pray for those who use you and persecute you. It's not easy to forgive those who have hurt you in an interpersonal relationship. It's not easy to love someone who's just hard to love. It's not easy to take a risk by engaging in ministry, using your gifts. It's not easy to be different from your friends when they're all involved in something you know you shouldn't be involved in. Because then you're going to be the odd man out. And who likes to be that? It's not easy to give up control of your life to God when he hasn't told you how it's all going to work out. None of this is easy. A bunch of this is counterintuitive to our fallen nature. And there's something inside of us in every one of those situations that will say, trust your fears. Run from the bear. But sound judgment says, no, I will be disciplined. I will, be dis- I will face my fear of being embarrassed, of being rejected, of being used or misunderstood of being disappointed, of being a failure. I will face my fear and I will do what God has called me to do. Listen, the Christian life isn't going to be lived without fear. It's not lived without a need for courage. God doesn't just... just You know, smooth the way in front of you and let you just kind of coast and glide right on into eternity. It's not how it works. But you can live boldly and confidently if you will let God's power enable you, if you will let supernatural love motivate you, and if you will let godly wisdom guide you. You know, godly wisdom so often is counterintuitive to our fallen nature. Not always, but a lot of times it is. In the book of Proverbs it says there is a way that seems right to man but the end leads to death. And that's no more true than when it comes to salvation. There's so many people in our world who think that that they are right with God because they live a pretty good life. They think if their good works outweigh their bad works then then they're going to be okay. I mean that seems Right? That seems intuitive. I mean, that's what most of the world's religions teach us. That if we do our best to live a good life, or mostly a good life, if we do our part, then God's going to do His part and someday welcome us into eternity. But let me tell you, in the end, that way leads to death. It's only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and your faith in Him that you can be saved and made right with God. If you want to know more about that, if you want to know about how you can be made right with God, not because of your best effort, but because of His best effort for you, listen, I'd be more than happy to tell you about that. And here's how we can make that happen. There's a communication card in your bulletin. I've talked about it already. If you put your name in your phone number there, and you can check the box that says, I want to talk to somebody about what it means to be a Christian. And if this morning you've come to that place, you're right up against that line of faith and you just need to talk to somebody about what God has done for you, what Jesus Christ has done for you and how you can be made right with God, not through works, not through your best effort, but through faith in Christ, check that box, drop it in the offering plate or in one of these little white boxes and I'll get it and I'll call you this week and we'll talk about what God has done for you. If you want to talk to me this morning, I'm always here after the service. I hang out to almost everybody who's gone. Come and just grab me and say, hey, can, we, can we step aside here for a minute and just talk about this? Give me a call this week. Shoot me an email. Something. But if God is leading you in that direction, and this morning, if he is, you know it. Right, I'm not going to try to talk anybody into anything. But if God is leading in your life this morning, and, and, and you, there's a conviction in your heart, and you say, you know what, this is something I need, to, I need to investigate. This is something I need to find out about. I need to take care of this in my life. If that's you, let me know. So I can show you what God's Word says about what He's done for you and how you can receive that gift of eternal life. So I'm going to encourage you to do that if God is leading you to do that this morning. As we've said all morning, tonight we begin VBS. It's a, a special time uh, in the life of our church. And the kids are going to be talking about what we talked about this morning. Not in the same terms, but they're going to be talking about it. I mean, look around at some of these posters. Dare to believe. Dare to stand strong. Dare to trust. Dare to challenge. Hard to change, rather, dare to speak up. Facing fears, trusting God. That's what they're going to be talking about all week. And we've got some great, great workers that are going to spend time with these kids and going to reinforce the truth of God's Word by looking at the life of Paul. So in just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of invitation. And as we do, I'm going to ask this. If you're a VBS worker or if you're a boot camp worker, middle school boot camp, I'm going to ask that you just come down here as we sing. If you're working with our kids this week, and after we're done singing our song of invitation, we're going to have a time of prayer and just, just ask God's blessing on your life this week. Would you do that? Father, we thank you for your many, many blessings. And Lord, we, we want to be real this morning about the Christian life. Father, we don't want to put some sort of fake spin on things. That, that, that being a Christian I means everything just, just, just runs so smoothly and that there's no opposition. Lord, we, we live as aliens and strangers called to follow you in a fallen world. And that can be scary. But Father, we thank you that you give us courage. You do give us power. You give us love. You give us sound judgment if we will accept it from you. And I pray for everyone here this morning, Father, who names your name, that you will lead us into that relationship with your Holy Spirit so that we can live confidently and boldly in our Christian lives. Father, I pray for anyone this morning that maybe has never come to that place of putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would do what only you can do, and that is draw them to the Savior and faith in Him. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.